Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fail Up Africa, the podcast where we talk about all things failure. Yep, you heard that right, all things failure. In this podcast, it is a space where we share our stories, experiences, dealing with and learning from failure. And each episode, we're going to sit down with a new guest, an African trailblazer, who unmasks what it really means to fail and what we can do about it. Conversations include everything from schooling to academics to careers, starting a business, and yes, even personal relationships. This is a space where we get vulnerable with a dose of humor. Thank you, Alba. My name is Bon Fasomina. Um, the the caption there is a local noisemaker. And so this came out of the work that I do as a hype MC at events, as well as a corporate uh, moderator and MC. I'm a young African leader from Kenya and currently run events in Mauritius, Kenya, as well as an international podcast. Let them know who you are. My name is Alma Akab and I am a voiceover artist and founder of a company called Elevate Africa, where we train public speakers and voiceover artists all over the African continent. I'm also a TEDx speaker and many more that you will find out within this podcast. Let's get straight into it. Wow, we're going to hop right into it, aren't we? Right into it. Um, I mean, the context in which the conversation around failure is coming up, um, the reason why we're on this podcast, courtesy of the Fail Up Africa, you know, the larger initiative. I'm a bit anxious, nervous, as well as excited, you know, to have this conversation because there are not many platforms out there which feature conversations amongst African leaders being vulnerable about their, their journeys within the context of failure and more so us doing it as young leaders, right? Because I think you can agree with me here, like a lot of our initial opinions and views on failure have really stemmed from the academic perspective and all that that entails. Or if you, you know, you grow up hearing, oh, if you fail in school, you won't make it in life. Or I don't know. I don't know if we grew up in the same type of household, Zelma, but <laughs> you know, those, sure those, we did. you know, those microaggressions that, your mom or dad oh, yeah. shouts shouts behind you on your way to school. Oh, yes. Yeah, and so a lot of this formed our perceptions of failure and we've only just begun uncovering a lot of these you know, views and traumas that are attached to that. And so failure for me has been a learning curve. And so very recently, I've been to understand the aspects of failure that I need to unlearn. Right. And, you know, this, this encompasses areas such as, you know, how, how you deal with failure, how you approach failure, right? How you move from failure to failure, right? Fail forward, fail up. Um, I think I think whoever chose the name of this initiative really, really had Brilliant. something going. Um, I don't know how, how do you relate to failure, Elma? I think, Amina, like I said, we're, we're practically siblings. Um, growing up in this African continent, failure is not... It doesn't exist. (laughs) It's not something we talk Uh about. Failure is something that we avoid at all costs. Um, And if you happen to fail, you fix it very quickly so that it's not seen as failure. It's just seen as a little, you know, just a little slip up. It's it's not really failure. It's, um, 
it's a misunderstanding if I may. Um, and I mean, whenever we, I've listened to failure or listened to conversations about failure or people coming out and saying that, look, I failed and that's okay. It hasn't been within the African context. It's always been from a Western centric perspective. And so that brings the thought exactly. in mind that there's a huge problem here, a problem of young Africans not understanding that failure is not the opposite of success. It's just a part of success. It's part of the journey. You need to fail in, in, in order to learn. And so being able to openly discuss failure and not see it as this big, dark cloud that haunts us, you know, but just to see this yeah. opportunity to learn, to, to get used to the word failure, to get used to saying, hey, I failed. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Um, I think this is an exceptional space that we can, you know, have these conversations and reflect from it. Like you said, fail up, learn from it, reflect from it and yeah. learn from each other's failures, because that's another thing. Because we don't talk about failures enough, we all keep failing at the same thing and we could have learned from it. <laughs> And we can share those experiences with others. But we're so guarded with our failure, especially in academics. You know what? I would, in fact, love to hear a story. Omina, I'd love to hear a story. Story time. Story time. Um, get out your Let's tea. Go. <laughs> Whatever it needs to be. I, I'd love to put your failure into a story perspective. You know, bring it to life because it's yeah. one thing that we mentioned the word failure, failure all over again. But let's actually hear an example failure right um i'm gonna take guys back right and i think i think one of the most amazing things that i'm really looking forward to in the context of of this podcast is just getting to interact with each other's stories because that from what you mentioned that is one of the greatest ways in which we can learn from one another and we're both here in the capacity you know of you know conversationalists and and speakers in our own right but one of my initial failures in life was in speaking Right. And so mm. when I was, oh, let's go back a decade. Um, so in my early teens, I was a, I was a stammerer. So I used to stammer. Right. Mm. Hard to believe, um, depending on who you ask. But, you know, at that time, my family and I had moved to New Jersey because of dad's work. And so it was the first time I was interacting with one, the fact that I was black. You know, most of us don't realize we're black until, you know, you're in places oh, 100%. where... 100%. And during that time, I was bullied, right? Let's, let's just get that out of the way, right? But I was never bullied because of my, the color of my skin. I was bullied because of my speaking, right? And I couldn't get a sentence out at the time. Buck teeth, you know, I was a short, scrawny kid. I'm happy this is just audio. Because <laughs> the listeners, listeners were like, hey, I'm going to look on me now. But, you know, that day, I went back home. This is a day I failed in my first English exam. And the only reason why I failed is because I was just too scared and just not too confident. And that was sort of one of the last times that I got, you know, those, you know, those African household spankings for, yeah. for failing an exam. And, you know, what my father put across is the fact that, you know, you're not going to let the people around you discriminate you for this, for not knowing English, but you've been speaking it your whole life. And so that began a process of my father helping me, you know, just work on my speaking, better diction, better articulation of words. And so when I look at that as a failure, the biggest thing I draw out of it is how I was able to recover from that and approach the process of, you know, failing forward, as, as you're mentioning. And so 
I think some of the things that just really stick out in this story are some of the support systems that we need around around us when we are going through some of these things in life. 100%. Right. It's something that the people that I do speak to don't usually find this in their family, in their family setups, in their home setups. I think that's one of the aspects of privilege that I, you know, I just recognize in myself. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think, honestly, I'm more and more convinced that we really were raised in the same family and we just didn't know. Um, but I also <laughs> grew up with, with really supportive parents as well, which, you know, I mean, like you said, our stories are not the majority, unfortunately, on the African continent. It's actually not the majority of yeah. you know, what young people are facing. And so we yeah. are the privileged few. But before we forget the story, because I, I, <laughs> I have questions, yeah? Questions. Let's go. Okay. I mean, because <laughs> obviously I listen to you talking now and I'm a public speaking trainer myself. And yeah. listening to you speak, you could be one of my trainers as well. I mean, not even getting trained. You, you Stop sound like it. No, really. <laughs> yeah. And so, to how did you go from, I don't even want to hear myself speak, like, you know, when you're not even comfortable with your own voice, yeah. to, I want to speak so that the whole world can hear me. How did you move from failure to the exact opposite? I love that question. Um, and I think I tie it back to the experiences that have played into aspects of my confidence. Because I think, I think that's sort of where we can narrow it down to. Of, okay, how confident are you to put your voice out there, right? Mm. Even as we do speak about failure, you know, the biggest question that we're asking ourselves right now and you know, that we're going to be having conversations with guests on is okay so how confident are you to talk about these experiences and so 2008 to 2012 is when we were living in New Jersey but then I came back to Kenya in 2012 right and rejoined my old primary school but I was two levels below my former classmates because of the education system and so when I First went to the United States in my school, in my class, I was already a pariah, right? So you already viewed differently. You're being asked questions about your identity. You're being asked questions about where you're from. And these are, these are third graders, right? So they have no idea what Africa is besides what they've been seeing on Naji or whatever, right? And so yeah. I've always been put in positions where I need to explain myself and who I am. When I came back to Kenya, oh, he's the kid who just came back from the United States. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, um, and I came back two grades lower than my former classmates. So it was, oh, wait, but we were with you in a couple of years ago. Why are you a level below? Right. So, yeah. so there've always been all, all these questions. And so I've always been open to answer them, right? I've always been, you know, I've always spoken my truth. And so the fact that at every stage of my life, I have been required to stand my ground yeah. and take up space. So a lot of the experiences that contributed to my speaking have been tied back to me really embracing my identity mm-hmm. as someone who spent a couple of years in the United States. And so that's why I have an accent, right? A certain change that can be tracked, traced back there. And this is something that over the past 10 years, it has been tied to my identity. And so I've always felt motivated and passionate about speaking about speaking because of how it relates to who I am and my history and my story. I think something that you said there that's really profound is Mm. sometimes even when you have stepped out of this place of failure, 
everyone else around you still sees you in that place of failure. Mm, And so it's one thing recognizing that, you know, I've overcome, I've made it, even though I am two grades back, I fought battles that no one else knows, you know, coming back to Canada, no one knows what I went through in America. But then you're still faced with people looking at you with that perspective and that view that why are you, you know, why are you at the back? Why did you fail? Are you not smart enough? Aren't you supposed to be yeah. smart when you come back from America? You know, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I'm, I'm saying that because I have a similar yeah, story Yeah, very well. true. So yeah. I think an encouragement to everyone who's listening that, you know, the, the world around you might not see what you're going through. They might not see how many times you've stepped out of this place of failure or how many times you've overcome. You need to recognize all the hard work that you've put in instead of waiting for recognition from others because it might never come. Very true. Now, now I'm curious about your story, Alma, because I'm seeing a lot of parallels here. But I'd love to hear about your story, um, Alma. What was your first interaction with failure that you can remember? Where do I and... start? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day and I'd list all the failures for you and we'd still have... Well, this is episode zero, so we, could, yeah. we got time. <laughs> <laughs> So failure for me, again, young African child, a little bit of background about me. I'm originally from Cameroon, so that is in West Africa. We spoke about coming back from America because I then went to South Africa for school. And when you come back from overseas, but then overseas, including South Africa, because you know, South Africa, yeah, is, is Africa. Yeah, but it's as long as you, stuff, you know, as long as you've stepped in a plane, everyone exactly. sees it as overseas. Overseas. So... <laughs> We have a thing back home in West Africa where if someone goes overseas and they come back, they have an accent, you call them Ajebo. So obviously here I am coming from West Africa and our accents in West Africa are very strong, as you can hear. Coming yeah. back home with the <laughs> of, you know, hi, everyone. It's like, no, certainly not. So that's just a little background. But my first experience or encounter with failure comes from my very academic parents. So I have a dad who's a vice chancellor, a mom who's an academic director, two sisters who are doing their PhD. As you can imagine, having that academic pressure, failure was not failing. It was not getting 50%. It was not getting 60%. It was coming second in the grade instead of coming first. That was failure. And that started from as young as when I tell people that in grade one, Grade one and grade one, I think is an equivalent. It's a like class one in, in, you know, in an African perspective. Class yeah. one, getting your marks back. And guys, we were doing little things. We were coloring in and we were doing one plus one. Getting my marks back, seeing that I came second in class and realizing that that wasn't good enough because I was supposed to come first. Or getting my marks back and getting 85% and having my dad say, where's the other 15? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of academic pressure. Right now, you know, I can look back and say, yes, it helped to nurture me. But from then I saw failure, my failure, my definition of failure rather, was very different to other people's definition of failure. And when moving to South Africa, sitting in a classroom where, you know, I've got friends from ranges, friends who are working as hard as they can, you know, really studying night and day to get that 60%. And friends from the other side who are, you know, working just as hard to get that 98% and seeing how failure, how both of these people were seeing failure so differently. Like it's, you know, if one person Um. got the other person's mark, they would think it was the biggest achievement ever. But being an academic, seeing 90% and feeling discouraged, really? 
Um, it's, it's, it's quite, it's, it's very small now that I think about it, but small now that I can see, you know, but, but obviously at that time and for a lot of young people as well, they currently feel that pressure where they're working as hard as they can academically, they're passing, but they still feel like they're failing. They still feel like they're falling yeah. short. And that's yeah. just one of my many failures that I've had to encounter, Omina. From what you've explained, your, your very academic parents played a role in your success metrics. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And with that, a definition of what failure looks like. As you've grown up, right, over the years and stepped into, you know, your own space and your own professional work, do you feel like there are elements of how you develop your success metrics that are still tied to these deep experiences that you had as a child? I must say, definitely there are aspects, the foundational aspects of how I live life. So my life Mm. motto is striving for excellence in all spheres of life. And what that means for me is I want to be the best at everything I do. That stems from a young childhood of, you know, like I, I just explained a little bit earlier of maintaining that standard of excellence. And so it's definitely played a role in where I am right now in that I still, mm. I still fear failure, but I'm an overachiever. And being yeah. an overachiever, it means that when we fail, we fail and we feel it mm. and we feel it hard. And I mean, when we fall, we fall. And so I'm learning how to fail up. And I'm sure that in this journey of this podcast, Omina, I'm going to learn as well. As as much as the listeners are listening to learn, I am listening to learn myself about what this failing up actually means. Because I've never heard of it, Mm -hmm. but I'm excited. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are two two things that really stand out from what you just said. I think there's... You brought in the aspect of feelings and emotions. Mm. And then also there's, there's an element of logic, right? Of, okay, if I'm in a class of 50, right? And mm-hmm. I get an 89%. And let's say five other people get 90s and the rest of the class is, is below 89. Logically speaking, in the context of this grade, I haven't really failed relatively, you yeah. know? depending on on the scope of competition or whatever, right? But then there's the side of, there's the emotion side of, as per the success metrics, either mine or by parents, right? Or success metrics that I define either internally, myself, or externally through the people around me, this could be a failure. So whenever we encounter failure, it's either logic takes the front seat or it's the emotion, right? I don't know, how do you balance the two? Right. As a high achiever, I need to pair my emotion of, oh, I want to overachieve, but then also logically speaking, allowing yourself a bit of grace. Mm. Right. Are there are there ways in which you struggle with this before? And so what are some of the ways in which you you pulled through? Look, definitely. I think at the end of the day, I always have to sit myself down and remind myself that, Alma, you are a human being, okay? And that means you have 24 hours in a day, not 48, not 56. And so you can only do as much as you can in 24 hours. And once those 24 hours have passed, it's gone. It's now past tense. There are going to be a whole brand new set of 24 hours. And so it's almost reminding myself of logic that, 
look, you've set yourself out to achieve certain things. You know, you've set a standard of excellence for yourself. But how much of that is humanly possible, given the time that you are allocated, you know, given the energy that you have, realizing that you need to take some time off as well? Because being an overachiever means that you want to work 24 hour because you're so scared of failure. But we're here to talk about failing up. And part of failing up yeah. is understanding that what we think is failure is actually not what we are so scared of. Like, what's the worst? My mom always used to tell yeah. me, what's the worst that could actually happen? And I take myself through the worst case scenario, which is, for example, you don't get that award or you don't get that achievement. Mm-hmm. And then what? Mm-hmm. You wake up the next day and you still have breakfast. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. Yeah, I think... I struggle with elements of that, balancing the logic and emotion, depending on what type of failure. So like, I think a lot of what we've spoken about, you know, has been in terms of, you know, goals and achievements and the likes, right? I think some of the aspects which I struggle with is like failure in relationships, right? Platonic relationships, as well as romantic. I mean, you know, we're being very honest. But yeah, I mean, that's where the emotional really overrides the logic sometimes, where you're very emotionally invested. I think with with certain goals, you can take another crack at it. But when we fail in relationships, whether platonic or, or romantic or even family relationships, you don't get a second chance. That's right. You're bringing up such an interesting, interesting topic. And I think our listeners as well are just as interested as I am because I, I, I need to hear, I need to hear what happens there. But that is what we have for today. I mean, that's what the, the podcast is all about. And I want to say stay tuned to, you know, the next episode where we might get a chance to get a little bit of a, you know, a hint as to what... Deeper dive into, what yeah. Happened. <laughs> what happened? Right. Do you know what I mean? What went right and, and it wasn't supposed to happen. But before we leave, I'd love yeah. for us to do rapid fire questions. I got one for you. What is one thing you don't compromise on when it comes to your work? Oh, that's good. Okay, I'm a perfectionist. I don't Stop it. compromise on quality. Are we the same person? All right, okay. that, that's it. My question to you, um, indoors or outdoors? So, for example, movies indoors or outdoors activities? It depends on who I'm doing this activity with. You're doing it by yourself. You're taking yourself by, by yourself. You're sitting in the house ah. watching movies by yourself. Okay, um, outdoor then. I'm a very, um, yeah, out, outdoor. Are we allowed to explain? No? No explanations? No, you're not. No. Okay. Okay. Mm, this relationship thing. But yeah. <laughs> What's one habit you picked up during the pandemic that really helped you get through? Oh, I didn't expect you to say help you get through. I was going to, I thought you were going to say what habit did you actually pick up that you liked? <laughs> so oh, okay. We can do that. that. No, we can do that. I don't awesome. mind tweaking. Me, Social distancing. Honestly, I didn't realize I love personal oh space as much as after social distancing. I just, I love it when I have, you know, people aren't standing on top of me. Do you know what I mean? Especially or breathing in your shops, face. Or breathing in my face. And I'm like, it should always be like, how are we just bunched oh, up as human beings? How are we squishing together? Okay. How are we allowing people all up in our space? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um... Seafood or meat, chicken beef? Mm. I'm going to say meat. Spoken like a true African man. Hey, I was true, Luya. For those, <laughs> my country people, they know where we're from. <laughs> um, Elma, what's, what's something you've learned to say no to more often? 
oh, what have I learned to say no to? Um, my time. So I've learned how to mm. say, how to prioritize my time. So much so that I now actually put into my calendar rest. Like it's actually scheduled wow. because before I didn't schedule it. So now I have a little schedule that says rest or a little schedule that says go out for lunch. So last question, last question. <laughs> This is going to be a tough one. I think this is going to decide where your fate lies um, for All the rest right. of this All podcast. Right. So, Africa versus abroad. Africa any day of the week. And Let me say why. Period. Let me say why. Um, I think it it feeds into a lot of you know what we're doing here as Fill Up Africa. There's a disadvantage to the capitalist mindset that we see in the West, and I think when we come back to our very deep African roots. It begins with community, right? We were raised in households and neighborhoods where your friend's mom is your mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if we are able to carry with us the mindset and hold close to heart the mindset of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child and understand that as we grow and evolve through life, that village grows with us, right? Yeah. You know, we're super privileged to, you know, to have an understanding of different contexts, right? You with Cameroon and South Africa, me with Kenya, you know, now studying in Mauritius. I think this global exposure, we understand what Africa needs, mm. right? And we understand that it needs us to be present in being a part of the solution. Our next episode, we have an incredible, incredible guest that's going to be here. I don't want to give you too much, but I'll give you a little bit of a hint. This person is known to do hard things. That's it. I know that could literally mean anyone, but that's enough to get you. <laughs> if they know, they know. If they've been following you know, you conversations, know. yeah. If you want to learn more about Fail Up Africa, check out our website at failupafrica.com and follow our Instagram page at failupafrica because there's some exciting news about a prize. Amina, let them know. So if you are listening, you're the first to know. In the next few weeks, Philip Africa will be launching an Instagram contest with cash prizes. <laughs> Heard that right. Um, you can win cash by sharing content on Instagram. And all you have to do is share your my failure moment. <laughs> We're going to ask you guys to get vulnerable with us. So share your moment of failure, right? You know, with the hashtag my failure moment for a chance to win some money. I heard it's $300. Y'all are going to get this information. And it's that simple, right? We're asking you to, you know, contribute to our pillars here at Fail Up Africa of vulnerability, learning and reflection. And if you're feeling super inclined, a sense of humor. Um, yeah, it's that easy. So follow our Instagram page to stay up to date and learn more about that to enter. So everyone that brings us to the end of our episode today, it's been great having you here. My name is Alma. It's been awesome being here with Omina. And from us and the Fail Up Africa team, until next time, it's been real. See you next time. Cheers, guys.